We are in we are in Romans this morning by virtue of the fact that I forgot that it was Father's Day. Um, Romans' purpose is to establish the truth that salvation, and we know this, don't we? That salvation is solely the work of God. Solely the work of God. It's God's doing. It is God's gift given. It is based upon His unsearchable grace, unending grace. And it is received by our faith in and through the finished work of Jesus Christ. You know that, don't you, Christian? That's the essence and the heart of this book. The grace of God and the salvation that is brought to mankind. Now, when we get to this fourth chapter, or as we have arrived at this fourth chapter, we are being reminded that faith, faith in God's work, has always been and always will be the means of salvation. Please hear that, because mankind is constantly trying to add to that. Have you noticed that? You know, constantly trying to add to it and add to it generally in the sense of our own accomplishments, our own worth, our own works, you know. But no, Paul wants us to know that it has always been, always been, I'll say again, God's plan for salvation always has been. And to illustrate that now, when we come to this chapter, um, the scripture now looks back into the Old Testament and goes back to the patriarchs who were justified by faith, not by their works. It's the same message in the Old Testament. You know, forget about this thought there's a God of the Old Testament, there's a God of the New Testament, and the two are different. No, it has always been God's God justifying sinful man through faith in what God has done. And what's going to happen this morning, just briefly, Abraham is going to be held up as an example to show the whole world, to show us that the whole world is blessed through him and blessed through him. Why? Because he chose to believe God. Because he exercised faith in what God has said rather than in any circumstance or any accomplishment in his own life. And he is being held up right now. In fact, Abraham has been risen from the pages of Scripture this morning to show you that it has always been justification by faith. It always has been. Always has been. Because he believed. Because Abraham believed what God said. He became the father of many. And he became the father of the one who would bless us all, of course, the promise of the Messiah to come. And it's because of his faith, the Bible tells us, that God accounted him as righteous, as righteous, as salvation by, by faith. It's that simple. Does it sound that simple? You know, when we say it's that simple, well, it, it is. You know, chapter 3, the end of chapter 3 brought us to, if you just quickly look back in verse 27, where it says, where it, it's asked the question, where is boasting then? And the idea is that where is their position or place for mankind to be able to boast when it comes to being accepted by God? 
Where can we boast? What can we boast in whereby God should accept me according to the things that I have done? The Apostle Paul is saying, no, there is no place. There is no place for boasting. Where is boasting then? Verse 27. What does he say? Boasting is excluded. Why? By what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. There is a message in this world. You know what the message in this world is? And it has crept into the church as long as we have been here. The message is this. Just keep on working. Have you heard it? Just keep on working. Just keep on doing your very best and God will ultimately accept you. If you can just put everything in, God will see. And God will recognize your works and you will be accepted. And here's the crazy thing. Obviously, coming from the perspective of a Christian, the crazy thing is that most people want to believe that. They want to believe that. If you will just do your very best, then you'll get in. You know, even unbelievers who won't acknowledge that God exists, you know, you talk to them about the gospel, what is it, what's their immediate response? I'm a good person. I'm doing my very best. And if this God exists that you talk about, surely he'll accept me. And that's this, 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 this lie that has permeated our society. It suits our society, in fact, the lie does. It's a very well-crafted lie, in fact, you know. And our world, here it is, our world wants to reward good deeds. And you say there's nothing wrong with that. Well, there isn't anything wrong with that. Our world wants to reward good deeds. We are conditioned that way from the very beginning, from, the very, from our childhood, in fact. We learn that good deeds and good performances are rewarded, don't we? Now, if you behave, Jimmy, if you do it, Jimmy, then I will. You will be rewarded, you know? And it's in us, it's ingrained within the way we, we look at life and we look acceptance from others and that gets transferred onto the way we experience acceptance from God. But here's the thing. It's not what God says. It isn't what God says. You know? Again, there it is in our, there it is ingrained within our society. If you do good, you will be rewarded. Hey, but those that don't do good deeds, they don't deserve reward, right? Here's the thing, none of us deserve God, do we? None of us do. But here's that thinking again, permeating human logic as long as we have been here. But again, such thinking is never taught in the scriptures when it comes to you and I being accepted by God. If our base of being accepted by God is good works, then, you know, we're in trouble. Every single one of us is in trouble. And that's because our works are as only as good, to be honest, our works are as only as good as our worst work. You know that? Example, you don't believe that? If I said a name, some of you will respond immediately. Others of you will go, what are you talking about, Chris? If I said Gary Lyon... I said, Gary Lyon, right now. Well, you go back two weeks, we love Gary Lyon. You know, we love Gary Lyon. You know why? Because he almost single-handedly won the first Ashes test against England. Almost single-handedly, you know. 
He took, he took all the English batsmen out and we victoriously won the first test. We loved him. Now, what about today? What about right now? Well, if you know what I am talking about this morning, I'll say this, one sentence. He fumbled the ball. I'm looking for faces. He fumbled the ball. The last English batsman who was a lame duck stuck halfway down the pitch should have been run out by metres, giving Australia an, un, an unassailable, unassailable lead in the Ashes t- series and we could not possibly lose it. But what happened? He fumbled the ball and England won the unwinnable test and Australia lost the unlosable test thanks to... Gary Lyon, who fumbled the ball. You see, our works are only as good as our worst effort. I mean, he might come back and he might just destroy them in the next test, in the next two tests. What will we be saying? Oh, praise to Gary Lyon, right? But here's the thing. Gary Lyon will continue to play cricket. And he will continue to try and do his best. I'm not criticising Gary Lyon's efforts at all here. He's a great, great bowler. He's a great player. But you know what? Gary Lyon will one day not be able to roll that arm over. He won't be able to land it in that right spot. He won't be able to turn it the way he turns it now. And the day is going to come when Gary Lyon is going to lose another test for us. It's inevitable. Why? Because we can't keep it up. None of us can keep it up. None of us. Ultimately, we're going to fumble the ball. That's what's going to happen. That's why works are never going to be good enough. That's why works are never going to be able to impress a perfect, holy, righteous God. All that touches God is our faith. Would you hear this this morning? I know you know it in your head. Will you allow that to become truth within your hearts? The only thing that touches God is our faith. God cannot be impressed by the things that we do. What does the Bible tell us? In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, it says, For the Lord does not see things as man sees them. For man looks what? On the outward appearance. But God looks at the he looks at the heart so again please hear this salvation by faith has always been God's program it's always been God's plan and again the example given to us is Abraham this morning have we read any of Romans we haven't okay Um, excuse me for a second it says in verse 1 of chapter 4 you're all there what then Shall we say that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? It says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. It's really quite an amazing statement that, you know, it really is. For as it was back then, so it is so often today. And most people, as I said to you a moment ago, want a God to reward them according to their good deeds. That that sentence sends shivers down my spine. It really does. 
But most people want a God that does that. But these opening verses, they turn that on its head, that thinking on its head. I'm certainly not saying that God rewards people according to their bad deeds. That's not what's being said here. No. But it turns that thought that God is a God who ultimately is going to reward us for our good deeds and ultimately we will get into heaven because of them. No, it turns that idea on its head. The second verse there does this by declaring, look at it again, if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. See, the Jews believed that Abraham was the epitome of a life lived right. That's what they believed. They believed that God accepted Abraham or justified Abraham because he earned it. And they hold him up like that. He had an impressive list of great achievements to boast about. But as this verse points out here, that boasting is meaningless before a holy, perfect, righteous God. I mean, you stop and think about Abraham even today. Forget about just the fact of who he was to the Jews. Who is Abraham to the world today? He is known, he is revered and honored by three major faiths upon our planet. Certainly, again, the Jewish faith, the Muslim faith, and of course, us Christians honor him. And when you stop and you think about all of the people that have lived on this planet, Abraham is one of those few men that is lifted head and shoulders above the human race. Head and shoulders above them. Yet none of all of that worth, none of all of those accolades that are accounted to Abraham, none of it, Paul is saying, is worth boasting about in the sight of God. You know, it, it may impress countless millions, and it does. Countless millions of people on this planet today. I've got to say it again, but God, it does not. See, the Apostle Paul understood this in his great gospel of grace. That's why he said in Galatians chapter 6, if you know verse 14, where he said, God forbid that I should boast. There it is again. God forbid that I should boast except in what? Do you know what it is? Yeah, except in the cross of Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, boast in what the cross has brought to your existence. Boast in that. Boast in the peace that has been won for you between God and yourself and the peace that now exists amongst the brethren. Boast in that peace. Boast in that. Boast in the joy and the comfort that your heart receives regardless of what life may be throwing at you. Yeah, we boast in that. Boast in the promises of God's word unto eternal life that cannot be taken away from you. Yes, boast in that. We boast in Christ's accomplishments made on our behalf. You know what I think? I think we must sooner or later, sorry about that, we must sooner or later come to the same conclusion that the Apostle Paul came to in Romans chapter 7, verse 17. You know what it is? This is where he ended up. When he looked around this world and he looked at all the accolades that people will throw on people and all the efforts that man has made to be able to impress God or be accepted by God, when all was said and done and he had seen everything, the best that man can possibly offer, he still looked into his own heart and you know what he saw? 
nothing good. We've got to come to that place. And this is what Paul said. I know, and we'll get to it in a, a while. He said, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, there is no good thing dwelling. You know, I often stop and I reflect upon this verse. You know, outside of Christ, all that I can see dwelling in me. Have you ever done it? It's a scary thing. You know, occasionally I do it. I don't, I don't do it often. Occasionally I take the Chris that you know, the Chris that experiences this, 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 this wonderful, blessed life because of what Christ has done for me. And just occasionally, I, I mentally subtract all of that away and I see what's left. It's horrible. It really is. It's a, great, it's a long list. It's a list that is full of selfish motivations. It's a list that, that, that seems to be motivated by the same thing that that all of humanity is motivated by, and that's greed. That's greed. Every squabble, every war, every conflict, every disagreement that mankind has ever engaged in is because there's a greedy, selfish heart behind it. There's self-centeredness, there's manoeuvring, there's manipulating. There's nothing I can boast about. Nothing I can boast about. Nothing that I can call good. You know why? Because everything is tainted by me. It's tainted by me. And if I can say this, yeah, in its simplest possible, using the least words available to me, me not good. God good. That's what Paul is saying. No, my glory must be in Jesus Christ and what he has done for me upon the cross. I believe in Jesus Christ this morning. Do you? Amen. And what he has done for you? And that's why Paul is holding up Abraham to us as an example. He believed God. He believed God's promises. Here's the thing. Here's the thing that we don't understand. And that is that the Jews believed that in order to be right with God, that is to be righteous, that is to be accepted by God. It's all the same thing. That's what righteous is. In order to be accepted by God, the Jews believed to be accepted by God, a person must keep the commandments of God, number one. And if you're a male, number two, you must be circumcised. And what Paul is pointing out here is that if that is the case, then the great father of their faith, the man that they lift up, the man that they honour, the man that they, in a sense, venerate, and they do, if that is the case, then Abraham is a problem to them. Why? Well, this is what Paul is talking about. Genesis chapter 15. Let me read it to you. This is the problem for them. This is Genesis chapter 15. It says, after these things... Now, if you know the story, this is, this is where Abraham has just saved Lot, his nephew, and all of his um, community 
save them. They had been kidnapped and taken by a confederation of five kings. And God, um, uh, through Abraham, delivered them, okay? And so it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Don't be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing that I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of of Damascus? He had no natural-born children to himself, Abraham. And Abraham said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is... Sorry, sorry. Let me start that again. Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. In other words, a child not of my own, of my own body is now an heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, This one shall not be your heir, but who will come will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Now, it's interesting. Abraham's about 75 years old when God is saying this to him. Brought him outside and said, Look now towards heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. In other words, you can't. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And here it is. And Abraham believed in the Lord and and the Lord accounted it to him as righteousness. Can't get away from it. God declared Abraham righteous. God declared Abraham acceptable to God. And the reason Abraham becomes a problem to the Jews is that this took place 430 years before God gave the commandments to Moses on Mount Sinai. 430 years before the law was given. Remember what I said to you? They say in order to be accepted by God, they believe that you have to keep the commandments. Well, Abraham hadn't received the commandments. They wouldn't come for another 430 years. And the other side of that coin is it's at least 14 years now before God will give the commandment for them to be circumcised. Do you see what Paul is saying? Abraham is, God, Paul is saying, Abraham was righteous before God, not by keeping any commandments, not by being circumcised. That was impossible, but by faith, by believing God. He believed everything God said to him. He believed God, he believed God when circumstances were completely contrary to what God's promises were. Remember what I said, 75 years old and God promises him an heir. It will be another 25 years before that heir comes. He'll be an old, old man. His body will be as good as dead as a stick, dried up out in the sun. There'll be no life within him, no way of him ever having a child. But at that age, 100 years of age, this man is going to bring forth a son who will be the heir, the promised heir who will bring forth Messiah into this world. Think about it, you know. He believed God. He believed God's commandments. Abraham was righteous, again, I'll say, not by keeping commandments, no, 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 but by being a man who simply accepted what God said. He believed God at face value. Do we? Do we do that? 
without questioning God's character? Do we do that? Without ever questioning his ability to deliver what he has said. I hope we believe him like that. Because that's the faith. That's the faith that brings salvation to the heart of man. And he believed God year after year after year until God's promises were fulfilled within his life. He believed God and God counted that as righteousness accepted by faith. It's always been God's plan. It always has been. It always will be. Again, that's why Paul says in the previous chapter, again, back in verse 21 now of the previous chapter, the Apostle Paul said, Now the righteousness of God is apart from the law and is revealed, being witnessed by the law and by the prophets, even the righteousness of God, how? Through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. There it is again. Who believe the righteousness of God through faith. In Jesus Christ, to and on all who believe. What a glorious way to live. I mean, it just is. It's a glorious way to live. My acceptance before God. Again, this is a good exercise for you and I to go through from time to time. Because as I said each week, I've said each week, I know this is revision for most of us in this room today. But my acceptance before God, I've got to visit this truth regularly, is not dependent upon my keeping rules of righteousness. And don't misunderstand me. Don't misunderstand that statement. I love Jesus Christ and I want to please him with all my heart, mind and soul. I've been given his word. I've been given his book that shows me how to please him, how to live this life, how to be the husband God wants me to be, how to be the father God wants me to be, how to be the servant of God God wants me to be, how to be the lover of mankind the way God wants me to be. It's all here. It's all here for me. And I will do everything I possibly can to be able to honor what God has said. I will. But what I also know is, What I also know is that when I do not make that mark, when I'm not the husband I should be, when I'm not the father I should be, when I'm not the servant I should be, when I'm not the friend I should be, I need to know that even though I desire to be and I miss that perfect mark, my standing before God never changes. It's not affected by my weakness. See, I have to know that. You have to know that because it's going to happen to you. I'm promising this to you. You already know it. You know. I need to know that because when I do fail, because when I do fumble the ball, I know I'm not defeated. I know and I don't allow myself to become a miserable failure in my mind, in my thinking, in my heart. I know that I'm not alienated from God. How many of you have arrived at the place where you said, God doesn't love me anymore? Or God won't accept me anymore? How many of you have arrived at that place? It's a lie. It's an absolute lie of God. Because you are justified by faith, not by the things that you do. I have to know this. I have to know that. You know why? Because when I do fumble that ball, and when I do stumble, and when I do act less than what Christ wants me to act like, 
I then, like a child, knowing that he loves me, can go running to my loving Heavenly Father, knowing that he is not mad at me, knowing that he is not disappointed in me, knowing that he has, he has fully accepted me and coming to him, seeking his forgiveness. I know he still embraces me. Do you know that this morning? This is Paul's message. This is the gospel of grace. It's the only way to live. And one day, he will present me faultless before his glory. How glorious is that, you know? That's God's word. That's what I believe. That's what you and I need to believe. That's God's word. Now, let me ask you a question in light of that. Will God's word fail? Will God's word fail? No. Never. That's the word I wanted to hear. No and never. You know what that means to you and I? That means to you and I that our righteousness, our righteous standing before God is as sure as God's word is. Which means it's as sure as God's faithfulness is. Now He makes that clear to us as he goes on this, in this passage. He says in verse 4, Now to him who works, him who works the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. So this is what it's saying. If your personal obedience to the command of God's law is the thing that causes God to make you righteous, then that means God owes you a debt for the works that you are doing. How does that sound? Doesn't sound good at all, does it? It may be a good system in our workforce. And we expect to get paid at the end of the week or the end of the fortnight because of the things we have done for our boss. But that's a bad deal when it comes to the arrangement with God. That's a very bad deal. In chapter 6, we will, we will find that where it tells us that the, in Romans that the only wage that we can earn from God by our merit... Does anybody know what it is? The only wage that you and I can earn by our merit is death. That's it. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life how? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. So it is foolishness. It's a foolish position to think that a person can say to God, hey, you're obligated to me. And this is what, again, what most of the people in this world want. I'm a good person. I'll get there. It should be okay. If there is a God, he'll accept me. It's a foolish thing to think that a person can say to God, you are obligated to me because of my good works. Not only foolish, it's heresy is what it is. But it's also a position without assurance, isn't it? It's a position with, with, without any hope of, genuine hope of salvation. Why? the person is always working always trying he's knocking on your door on a Saturday morning when you want to sleep in you know they have to do enough whereby God is brought to a position where he is obligated to accept them no they're going to fumble the ball they're not going to make it you know such a person is trying to earn what they can never, ever earn. Never. So it's an either-or scenario. 
That's what it is. We can work at trying to be good, to do the right things, to earn something from God. That's something, as we know, will only ever can be death. Or we can just come to him as we are. You know, that verse says that God justifies the ungodly. Your Bible might say God justifies the wicked. That's us. He justifies us. And he credits us then with the status. This is what we looked at last week. He he credits us with the status that is his. And we live now as if we have always obeyed God. As if we have never sinned. That's what justified is. Verse 5 says this, But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted to him as righteousness. Now, I know it sounds somewhat contradictory to our culture. You know, the person that tries to earn salvation never will. right? But the one that doesn't try to earn it, but only believes, is made righteous. You know, some might even suggest that that's going to produce laziness within a believer. That's not possible. That's simply impossible. To believe in Jesus Christ and to know what he has done for you and then do nothing? No. That that, that doesn't happen. If you genuinely believe in Christ, if you genuinely believe that your sins have been forgiven because Christ shed his blood upon a cross for you, that he took all of your sin upon himself and he experienced the very wrath of God that was intended for you, he took it all upon himself so that you can go free, so that you can have a relationship with God. If you truly believe that, you will never be the same. You will never be the same. What does the Apostle Paul say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5? He said, it's the love of Christ that compels me. It drives us. How can I believe in the cross and not serve him with my life? It doesn't make me lazy. Again, it compels me, driven even, driven to dedicate my life to the one who has given it all for me that I might be righteous. He took took you. He took us, we who were ungodly, but now has justified us. You've got to stop and think about this from time to time. You've got to live and walk in this reality. David saw it. This is the next example given to us. Would you read it with me? In that next verse 6. Just as David also described the blessedness of the man whom God imputes righteousness apart from works, he says, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. He's quoting from Psalm chapter 32. You know what that is? That is David looking forward knowing the blessing that the Messiah will bring. It's prophecy, is what it is. There is a sense here, and this is what Paul is doing, there's a sense here where Paul is calling David as a witness and he looks at you and he looks at me and he says, it's you. It's you, you're the blessed one. 
You have been credited with righteousness, with God's righteousness. You will live your life. This is what David is saying to every one of us who believe in Jesus. You will live your life and sin will never, that word again, sin will never be charged against you. You're the one. David is rising from the page of scripture. He's saying it's you. He's saying it's you, child of God. You who believe in the Saviour. He's saying your sin will be forgiven. Did you notice that? Your sin will be covered. Did you notice that? Your sin will not be imputed to you. Did you notice that? Quite literally, it's saying sin will never, not ever be counted against you, child of God. That should take the roof off this place. I'll say it again. Your sin will never, not ever, be counted against you. You will never, ever be charged with sin. You will never, ever have to pay for your sin. Why? Well, we know why. Because Jesus was charged with it. He was only charged with it, but he paid the ultimate price for it. Remember, the only thing, the only thing you're going to earn is death. But Jesus took that from us. That's why it's so glorious to be a child of God. Look, let me look, let me just read Hebrews to you and I'll say goodbye. Hebrews chapter 10 says in verse 14, for by one offering he who is that Christ has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Hear it? For by one offering, he has perfected. That's made righteous. That's made perfectly accepted by God. He has forever perfected those who are being sanctified. You and I set apart for the kingdom of God, but the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he has said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their hearts and their minds and I will write on them. And then he adds, their sin and their lawless deeds, I will what, people? Remember no more. It's either or. That's my message to you this morning. It's either or. You are either completely justified and declared righteous by faith in what Jesus did for you apart from anything you'll ever do in this life or you're trying to do it yourself. You're trying to do something that you cannot do and it will only produce death. I hate ending on that word, death. But it's where I'm ending this morning. It's either or life or death. It's either or perfection or death. It's either or saved or lost. That's the difference. Let's pray, shall we? Father in heaven.